Welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is my good friend, Robbie Sherry. And we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, last time we talked about the relationship, biblically speaking, between obedience and blessing, disobedience and cursing. We made a distinction between blessing, which we would argue is really the presence of God, this relationship with God that we have in our lives, and then the benefits that accrue from kind of living life the way that that God says, right? the way that le- that God lays it out for us, right, with his laws and all of those kinds of things. Certainly that was the challenge to Israel. But really, again, whether or not you receive the material benefit or the intellectual benefit, emotional benefit, relational benefit of living a life for God, what's most important is that we understand that the blessing, the true blessing, really is his presence in our lives. So I don't want to necessarily go back and rehash all of that. What I do want to do today is I'd like for us to push that forward now into the 21st century American context. You know, um, the, the ancient Israelites had a particular way of life that they were challenged by God to follow. It was based on a series of laws. Some of those laws were ceremonial laws governing worship. Some of those laws were civil laws that were meant to govern the nation state of Israel. And some of those laws were moral laws that really stand the test of time or sort of transcultural, translate into our context. So what does, in your mind, faithful obedience look like in the American church in the 21st century? Such a simple question. I could probably answer it in one sentence. (laughs) No, I think. I thought you were going to say that was really that's really well, challenging. That is so challenging. A twenty first century Christian, I think. I think the difference that we need to acknowledge between us and Israel. Israel's given this law by God, like you said. There's these moral laws and civil laws and ceremonial laws, in part to set them to set them apart as a nation yes. who is an exemplar to the world, if you will for the the country that follows God and what it will look like. That's right. And ultimately, to show them that they cannot obey all of these laws right? and that they need a Savior. Yeah, and there you're getting to what sort of classically in Christian theology is sort of the multiple uses of the law, right? right. You've got the, the first law, the first use of the law, which is to reveal how helpless we are on some level. The second use of the law, which is to train us in righteousness, teach mm-hmm. us what the difference between good and evil. And the third use of the law, which is to reveal our need for Christ and point us to Christ, point us beyond ourselves to a Savior. Right. 100%. And so the question, right, that we, you know, you, you sort of lay out that schema for folks and you help people kind of understand that, you know, on some level. But a common question you get pushed back on then is like, you know, okay, so tell me how like not eating shellfish pushes me to Jesus. Right. Or tell me how like wearing clothing with two fibers somehow. Don't mix know, nylon and cotton. Right. Somehow just, violates, right. Bad the, fashion. The, <laughs> And God knew that. That's right. And God is a fashionista. That's right. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why there's a question about there that. There shouldn't even be. At all. Right? So, like, people start to look at those kinds of laws and nitpick, right, and say, like, okay, so how in the world does that teach me the difference between good and evil? Right. Right. It may teach me the difference between good and bad fashion. Seriously. But not good and evil, per se, right? How does that sure. teach me? How does that drive me to Christ? Then, of course, there's other laws that we would say, absolutely, don't murder, that's a good law. That's a good law yeah, that keep teaches that us like between good and evil, like it's good not to murder. Like, okay, we get we all on some level get that. And then there is, you know, again, laws governing like worship. Mm-hmm. Like the tabernacle should be X amount of cubits, not a cubit more, not a cubit less. And if you screw that up, then I so I mean there's yes. all of that kind of stuff. That's where it gets really super confusing. And then again, as Christians, we go back and we read God's word and we read Leviticus and we read Numbers and we read Deuteronomy. We read Exodus and we see all these laws get laid out and we're thinking to ourselves like, okay, 
which of these do I follow? Which of these do I not? Right. Can I just bail on it all? Like, what, what does this even mean? I love that Jesus comes and says, yeah, there's pretty much two. Right. That really helps me. Right, <laughs> because, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, you see in the Old Testament, God saying, do this, don't do this, over and over, and people find their particular verse mm-hmm. that they want to either tattoo, you know, as right. the obscure reference to something right. to say, yeah, look at how right. unique I am, or the one that people want to use and point uh, at people who condemn tattoos. That's right. <laughs> right? right. That's I mean, right. That's right. They nitpick that. And then Jesus comes along and I, I just imagine him kind of squinting at a person asking like, Hey, which one of these, you know, should I obey? And that's kind yeah. of our question. Like, do we have to obey all of these? And Jesus kind of looks at us and goes, um, yeah, I love God, mm-hmm. with everything and, uh, love others. Mm-hmm. If you do those two things, guess what? Mm-hmm. You'll be in obedience to God's law. Right. In fact, he says all the law and the prophets hang on those two yeah. commands. And I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. Like, the law in itself is not bad. Right. Jesus doesn't think it's bad. Nope. I mean, it, it is good. And for, for the ancient Israelites, this was how they loved God. Mm-hmm. And this was how they loved their neighbor. Right? right, you love God by following the ceremonial law that governs worship, so that you worship rightly, you mm. worship righteously before the Lord. You actually maintain the Creator-Creation distinction, right. and you honor Him as holy, and you honor Him as other, and and as the Sovereign of the universe. Like that's what all of those laws were intended to do. Agree, disagree, whatever, from a 21st century perspective, in an ancient Near East culture, those laws made sense. Right. 100%. And the same thing when it gets to, like, the civil law that set Israel apart from every other nation around them, right? We're going to follow these laws, and it made sense in an ancient Near East culture. And then there's the moral law, which also made sense in a Near East... The the food laws, the purity laws, like all of those kinds of things make sense when when placed upon this this context in which ancient Israel is trying to operate. Right. Right? And so then by extension, like you said, you get this lawyer comes to Jesus and says, yeah, okay, like which of the commandments is the greatest? And he's talking about the Ten Commandments. Sure. But, you know, but but Jesus sort of boils it down to like, hey, like, yeah, so there's two, right? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He's basically summarizing the Ten Commandments. And he says, yeah, and so so go and do that. And and the lawyer's actually in agreement with them. Right. right? The lawyer's it's not like, a bad thing. You know what? Like, yeah, you, actually, you've answered, you've answered rightly, <laughs> right. you know? And Jesus is like, right. And you're not far off from the kingdom either. Yeah. Like, so there's like this really positive interaction that ensues on some level which is really cool. But then we move on from there, and here we are now again, 2,000 years even after Jesus' time. Do you think... What does it look like? What does it mean, you know? I, I think fundamentally that we've obfuscated the word love. We've made it seem... Okay, and I'm so And for those God. who aren't English majors, give us the definition of uh, obfuscate. Uh, sorry. Is that how you say it? Obfuscate? Yeah, obfuscate? Yeah, we've... we've uh. Oh we've gosh. made it nebulous. Sorry, we've, we've made, made and defined what we've nebulous made the is. word love yeah. meaningless, practically or okay. relative. Right. So that if if I'm going to be a Christian in the 21st mm-hmm. century, yes, I know that many many Christians seem to dismiss the Old Testament because mm-hmm. they say, well, that has no application to me. I, mm-hmm. I you know I want to eat shrimp, right? And after right, all, right, right. Peter has the vision, and who right. says whatever I've made is unclean? Therefore, go and eat. And yet. 
we then redefine love for ourselves on our own terms so that when we say love God, love others, mm-hmm. well, you know what I think loving others means is I'm just never going to interact with them if they bother me. Right. Um, or I'm going to just talk about them when they're not around. And we, we have these... It seems like the ancient Israelites were told how to love God well. They obeyed that. Hmm. We then get this wide-angled love God, love others, and we define that for ourselves. And so now in the 21st century, we've sort of dismissed Old Testament stuff as being completely irrelevant, and we've determined what it means to obey the law. And we still agree with some of the Ten Commandments. Right, we still mm-hmm. think it's a pretty good right. idea not to right. murder, and that's whenever I ask students that. By the way, that's the. It seems like murder and Hitler right. are the answers. Right, right, right. Totally. Like, are right. you a good person? Yes. Why? I'm not. It's Hitler. not like I've murdered anyone, right. or I'm not like Hitler. Right. Like that's those right. are the two right. apparently worst things that you can. Well, and they're learning that from be. the culture, right? I mean, that's that's totally where the the, the general sure. culture goes to justify just about anything. Yeah, as long yeah. as you didn't murder or right. you. Don't have the name Adolf or something like right. that. Yeah. But therein lies the problem. Right. And that's why being a Christian in the 21st century, we look at some people who proclaim to be Christians and we look at the fruit of their life mm-hmm. and we, you know, there's a bit of a, a quandary, mm-hmm. I think, in that we sit there and go, well, you say you're a Christian, mm-hmm. but you're, you're doing that. You're living mm-hmm. this way. And so young people who are impressionable have 15 people in their lives who are saying they're Christians and mm-hmm. each one's living by their own interpretation of what it means to love God. Right. For some people, you know, I think you said it this morning, you cannot love God and not love God's people. That's right. not love the church. That's and yet right. how many people say, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church, I'm not a part of church, anything like that. Yeah, I don't need the church. And yeah. so young people go, oh, well, I'm a Christian too. Mm-hmm. My dad doesn't go to church. Therefore. Therefore, I'm not going to. And right. in fact, not only does he, he not go to church, but the way he behaves or treats other people... Seems like there's people mm-hmm. that like him, and if he treats these other people like garbage, that's okay because he's a Christian. So they, I always tell young people, if you're predicating your understanding on people who claim they're they are Christians without going to God's Word, you're going to get a number of different understandings mm-hmm. of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and it's based, I think, on our understanding of God's Word, what it means to love Him, with a right understanding of love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. And, and Jesus makes it very clear that what we're, and maybe, and maybe this is how Jesus answers this question, which is an interesting way to think about it, right? What does, you know, faithful obedience look like in the 21st century? Maybe Jesus answers the question for us by saying, good trees bear good fruit. Right. And bad trees bear bad fruit. And bad trees that bear bad fruit are pretty worthless at the end of the day and should be cut up and thrown in the fire. Yeah. And so when, in the Old Testament, it was, Hey, do these things, and I will bless you, or I will give you material benefits, mm-hmm. as we defined it last time, right, right? right? In the New Testament, it seems like, do these things, and you will bear good fruit. Right. Right? So, again, whether you're calling it fruit, or you're calling it benefits, or you're calling it bless, I mean, whatever term you want to put there, right, it seems pretty clear from a biblical perspective that if you have the presence of God in your life, which is ultimately what being a Christian is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, you've given your life to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has come to dwell inside you. That will become evident in the way that you live your life. So if you're out there and you're having to like white knuckle, 
your obedience. Like just buckle down and every day is this unbelievable act of self-discipline as you're trying to follow Jesus. Right. You are, you need to ask yourself some really important and very deep questions about why am I doing this? Am I, am I doing this because I really love Jesus and I'm following what Jesus would call the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or am I doing this because I think there's some sort of payoff to me, right. you know? I mean, there's plenty of people throughout history who have tried to follow Jesus without ever surrendering to Jesus. Mm. I mean, the one that comes to the mind off the top of my head is Gandhi. Yes. Right? I mean, he, he right. made it very clear. Like, I, I do the things that I do because of Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And I don't believe in him, but I, do, I, I learned everything I, I, I'm doing from him. Right. Nonviolent protest right. and the whole thing. And to value every human being, you know, because they're made in the image of God. These kinds of things. I learned that from Jesus of Nazareth. Right. I mean, that's, that's what he said. He just didn't like the Christians. He just didn't like the Christians right. because he found, <laughs> he found their way of life to be not like that of the Savior that they proclaimed. And so he found that they were bearing bad fruit, the Christians at least, right. that he was around. Right. And he really struggled with that. And so... Again, you go back to what does faithful obedience look like for me in the 21st century? I think it looks like for the Christian, it means, number one, obviously surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, because that's where it starts, but then uh, embracing the way of life that he lays out for you, which is the way of life that he uh, lays out for you in, in his law, his moral law especially, mm-hmm. right? The Ten Commandments and the other other components that make up the moral law. You align yourself there. Um, Jesus sort of revisions the moral law with the Sermon on the Mount. Right. You go to the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it and, said. And, right. You've, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I'm telling you, don't even get angry. Well, that's a good thing, actually. It's right. a good thing not to be <laughs> right. angry, right? Like, right. So you, you sort of align your life along those lines. If you do those things, Jesus says, yeah, you're going to Again, mixing metaphors here, but you're gonna you're gonna be a tree that bears good fruit, or right. you're gonna build your house on the rock, or you know whatever it is, right? I mean, essentially, it will become obvious sure. to the world around you. And yet, it seems like there's many people who claim to be an orange tree, and mm-hmm. come springtime, there's lemons. Yeah, and so we have to ask ourselves, wow, I've I have the only lemon-producing orange tree I've ever heard of. <laughs> right. Either that is true. Or, or it's a lemon tree. Or it's a lemon tree. And right. I, the sad part of that is that there are so many people who claim to be the proverbial orange tree. They, yeah, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Right. And then, the I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California, and, and citrus trees, lemons, oranges, and limes all look the same as rootstock. Mm. And their leaves all look very similar, and their blossoms all look very similar. And all three fruits start as a... As a green fruit. Uh-huh. And it's just that the lemon ultimately turns yellow, the orange right. ultimately turns right. orange, the lime stays green. So you have to wait a really long time if you just see a citrus tree to right. go, unless you're an arborist yeah. or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> it's a horticulture right. major. But you go, what is it? And I think the sad thing is for, for our culture is we have so many people claiming to be the, mm-hmm. a tree that they're not. Yeah. And we sort of dismiss it when we go, well... They said they're a pomegranate tree, yeah. and what's amazing is those are apricots, but I'm going to still trust that they're a pomegranate tree. Right, right, right. They They still trust it, and so then they uh-huh. say, well, if that person is that way, mm-hmm. then that's what it means for me. So a, a 21st mm-hmm. century Christian really has to be discerning, Yeah. and I just think there's no substitute for, we say, yes, you have to surrender your life to Jesus. Great, I've done that. Have you been baptized in front of a body of believers mm. who've enveloped you as the family of God to say, hey, we're here with you as a proclamation of your yeah. faith. Great. Like, check, check. Okay, now how do I go and live that? Well, I think 
people who tell me I'm just not a reader, I, I'm not going to read the Bible, that that's where I go, okay, now you're walking into this grove of citrus trees and right. you have no clue. Right. You, you don't have any truth against which to measure what people are saying. And so you're, you're basing that on what they tell you. And I just think that's magnificently difficult. So if you're right. in, rooted in the word of God, then the principles that he, he espouses in those are just as relevant today as they were you know, 2,000 years ago. Right, and, and, and even the desires that we have, right? Again, that's part of the fruit that we bear, and that's actually right. The, that's right. Actually, like again, going back to like obedience and blessing. and blessing, right? Like those two things. Like it's it, it. I mean, it's it's not like Israel was again begrudgingly obeying God, right? Because that's going to win converts, n- right? No, no, no. <laughs> it was like, where is the heart? Where is your, where where is the attitude of your heart? Right. And and if your heart is for the Lord, then obedience is going to naturally flow on some level. Not perfect obedience, but obedience nonetheless. Sure. And in the same way, in the New Testament, wherever your heart is, right, then these things, the good fruit's going to naturally is going to naturally follow. Yeah. And so I think those are those are key components to this whole thing as we are trying to map it out as we're trying to think our way through it and process our way through it. And again, so you talk about like 21st century, like what does it look like? You know, mm-hmm. I think I think it it is about a people who love the Lord with all their heart and soul, mind and strength. So they love the things that the Lord loves. Right. They love his people. Right. They love lost people. They love hurting people. They love broken people. They love being in the word. They love their time of prayer. They love serving. They love giving. They yeah. love... I, the, that, those are just the things that the people of God who love God love to do. Sure. And, well, you've got your big four. Yeah. What, what are the big four things that you always tell people about? Hey, oh, you, yeah, yeah. You want to grow in your faith. Right, right. Here's the yeah. big four. Well, you know, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, yeah, a great point. I mean, I, you know, that get, when I was, a, when I became a believer, a, one of the first mentors that I had, still, he's still a mentor to this day, he just, he, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like 20 years old. You know, I've got, if God, God willing, I've got like 65 years on this earth, right, to give. Right. You know, how do I make sure that in those 65 years I grow to be, a more faithful disciple of Jesus, you know? And he said to me, well, you, you do four things. And these aren't like written down anywhere in the Bible, but they absolutely have held true in my life. He said, number one, spend time with God every day. Right. Spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time with God every day. Number two, spend time with God's people in worship every week. So, you know, gathering on a weekly basis with God's people, being in church, worshiping mm-hmm. God, that's what I've done. Number three, find some really close Christian friends to intentionally press into Jesus with. And so these are people that would challenge you. These are people that will hold you accountable. These are people that will ask you really hard questions because they know you well enough to where they can get pretty deep into your life, right? So make sure you have a group of friends like mm-hmm. that in your life that you're always doing life together with, right? Mm-hmm. And then number four, yeah, find, find a place to serve. So of those kingdom. four things, yeah. what's the most challenging for a 21st what's century? What's the most challenging for a 21st century? I, Christian. You know, that's a really interesting point. I don't know, actually. I mean, as I'm hearing you say that, mm-hmm. It seems like there's a church on every corner. Right. I, it'd be very difficult for you to say, I just can't find a church. Yeah. I think there are more copies of the Bible accessible to people on the sure. planet right. than there ever has been, whether you want to go app on your phone or you can go to a hotel probably and steal one. Right. And just take, I think you're allowed to take, it's not steal, but you can take one. The idea of serving, mm-hmm. I mean... Humanitarian efforts abound around the world. I mean, you can, sure. 
you can Operation Christmas Child is always looking for people right. you know to wrap gifts. Right. But finding two to three friends mm-hmm. who love the Lord, mm-hmm. who you can be totally vulnerable with and yeah. honest, and say, yeah. "Man, will you celebrate this with me?" Because you know I've struggled with this, or man, I'm really having a difficult time with this. As you said before, I thought I think the deep friendships mm-hmm. with like-minded believers who love mm-hmm. you enough to be honest with you is probably the most difficult of those four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that certainly bears itself out statistically. I mean, less and less people report having very close friends, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we seem to be more isolated and alone than ever, despite the fact that we're more connected than ever. I mean, right. like all of those dynamics are out there. They've been written about ad nauseum, you know, on some level, and they are all pointed to this fundamental reality, which is we, we don't, have those kinds of deep friendships but you know but i might even i might even push it further and say you know i think that's true in our relationship with god as well Hmm. and so even in that time we get with the lord yeah you can read your bible every day that's not hard to do there are yeah they're all available as you pointed out like that's not really difficult to do the question is are you taking the time every day to be with the lord that's a great distinction in his presence and and to to let him speak to you through his word, like to speak to you through prayer. Like, are you, are you engaging that authentically? And I would say the same thing is true for corporate worship too. Easy to go to church. Hmm. There's a church in every corner, but are you walking in and just going through the motions? Are you just sitting there sort of consuming the experience, right? right. As a consumer in worship, like, what are you doing there? Um, and I think it, hoping to be entertained, hoping to be entertained. Like, like what is the deal? Nugget. So yeah. I, I, I think no matter where you land on that sort of list of four things, I think there's the, the common maybe root or the common challenge um, that, that, that those four things really press is this idea of relationship. Yes. We don't know how to do relationships well anymore, whether we're talking about relationships with those that we love, we're talking about relationships with friends, we're talking about relationships with God. It doesn't really matter. We just don't know how to do relationships very well. Hmm. And so as a result, a lot of things in the Christian life, which is built fundamentally on a relationship, a relationship with God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This goes right back to where we began this conversation, right? right? right. That's a relationship. Yeah. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's a relationship. Jesus is pointing to the relational reality of Christianity. And if we don't know how to do relationships, well, then it's going to be really challenging. Hmm. It's going to be really challenging, especially to obey. Yeah. You're, all you're going to be left with is, I'm just going to white knuckle this thing. Right. And that's not the answer either. Right. So what I hear you saying is being a Christian in the 21st century is no more difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's not easier than for the ancient Near East people. Correct. Yeah. We probably have more opportunity. Mm-hmm. To learn about the character and nature of God, being on this side of the cross mm-hmm. and with the the Bible available to us, mm-hmm. right? And yet it comes down to our prioritization of that relationship mm-hmm. and what we're going, what efforts we're going to make to know Him more. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's reflected in everything. Yeah, it really is. It's it's difficult to separate that from anything else that you do. So, would you say that there's I mean, it must be very difficult as a pastor then, both knowing what people need Hmm. and then trying to provide what you know that they need, Hmm. and yet watching weekly people not engaging at the level that they need to. Yeah, yeah. 
how do you how do you handle that <laughs> sometimes not very well <laughs> um no i think you just have to you have to recognize that this is a, this is the challenge this is the challenge for people and it's one of the reasons why so many the, the fruit of so many people's lives isn't really great hmm. whether it's the fruit of their marriage or the fruit of their family or the fruit of their business i mean you, you name it the fruit of their lives really isn't that great they're in really hard places they're in really depressed places they're in really sad places uh, traumatic places. And again, I'm not blaming anybody or saying that, you know, that somehow they're weak or any of those kinds of things, because these are just realities that we deal with. Right. But part of the reason why we deal with these realities so frequently, why these things are so prevalent is because of the, it's a direct, there's a direct tie to the, the way we're doing life hmm. and, and, and the quality of the relationships we have in our life, quality of relationship with God, quality of relationship with other people all of those kinds of things. And it leads to, again, all these downstream effects. It seems to me, as I like relate to people day in and day out, that those folks who have very strong relationships, they seem to bear a different kind of fruit, a better kind of fruit than those who right. do not. Okay? And, and that's just generally true. Obviously, there's exceptions sure. to those rules and stuff like that, but that's just generally true. And it doesn't matter whether you're extroverted or introverted, and it doesn't matter whether you are shy or you're outgoing. Like, none, none of those things what really matter. What your Enneagram matter. number is. Yeah, what your Enneagram number is or any of that stuff. I mean, it, it, it really fundamentally comes back to, like, the reality that we were. it's not good for us to be alone. That's so good. And when we're yeah. alone, we don't bear good fruit. That's just, a, we don't bear good fruit. Right. And when we're in relationship with God and with others, yeah, the tendency is we bear good fruit. And so I think that's really what it's about. And the other thing, too, is good fruit sort of, you know, begins to yield more and more good fruit. It becomes almost a self, um, uh, what's what's the... Uh, um, perpetuating. Yeah, self-perpetuating cycle. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Self, self-perpetuating, self-reinforcing, like all of those kinds of things. Because, again, it becomes... It just becomes the way you do life. And you get to a point where you don't even have to think about it. Like, I don't have to think about it anymore. I've been pursuing this particular way of life now for almost 30 years, and I don't have to think about it anymore. Right. You know, there's some things I think about, but a lot of it is just now second nature. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, again, that I'm doing it What's well, the perfect. renewing of your mind. It, it, is, it right. is. That's right. And that is actually something that God will do for you if you submit your life and your way to Him. Well, Robbie, uh, thanks again for the conversation, as always, my friend. And thanks to Jake and Billy, our guys behind the glass, making us sound good. Uh, Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus. And we'd love your comments and your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to these podcasts. So subscribe and stay tuned as we release more episodes. We'll talk to you next time.